Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Today on Loving Life at Home, we're discussing love languages, how to learn to speak your husband's love language, and what to do if he isn't fluent in yours. Now, before we get into the topic, I want to tell you a little story about my husband. Doug loves conversation hearts. You know those little candies you get around Valentine's Day? He actually enjoys the taste of them. He seldom ever pauses to admire their pretty pastel colors or their cute chunky shape, and he doesn't always even bother to read what they say. He just downs them by the handful, crunching them between his teeth with a boyish grin on his face because he actually likes the taste. As soon as he spots these ubiquitous Valentine treats at the grocery store in mid-January, he buys them by the bag full. If he finds conversation hearts on the clearance aisle after Valentine's Day is over, he'll clean out the store. Such confections are only available a couple of months a year, so he likes to stock up when he can. But Doug rarely buys any conversation hearts for me. For me, he gets chocolate. Chocolate with nuts, chocolate with toffee or peanut butter, even chocolate with coconut, which he detests, but I relish. And that's because my husband knows how to speak my love language. In his groundbreaking marriage book, The Five Life Languages, author Gary Chapman identifies five basic ways that individuals give and receive love. These include words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Yes, I realize chocolate is not actually on that list. It should be. That was obviously an oversight on the author's part. The Five Love Languages has been a New York Times bestseller for 10 years running. I highly recommend it. I'll link the book in the footnotes just in case you've never read it before. It's sold over 12 million copies and for good reason. Chapman calls these love languages the secret to lasting love. And after enjoying more than three and a half decades of happy marriage ourselves, my husband and I have learned a thing or two about effective loving communication. So today I'm going to share six tips to help you master your spouse's love language. First of all, I recommend practicing regularly. As a military brat, my husband spent his early childhood in Turkey. Consequently, he learned to speak Turkish and English simultaneously. But once his family moved back to the States, English was the only language he ever heard or used. And without regular practice, his Turkish was completely lost. These days, Doug couldn't even count to 10 in Turkish without considerable cramming beforehand. The same thing is true for love languages. Once you identify your spouse's love language, you need to put that knowledge to good use. Practice, practice, practice. Without consistent use, you may forget how to communicate in that language altogether. 
My second tip would be to ask clarifying questions. For the first 20 years of our marriage, every time I cut a tomato, I gave my husband the juicy center slices and I ate the dry mealy ends myself. I did this as an act of love. I was giving him my favorite part while I choked down the less desirable portions like some kind of culinary martyr. Then one day, I noticed a thick, ripe, mouth-watering slab of homegrown tomato lying untouched on the edge of my husband's plate. Thinking maybe he was just too full to finish it, I asked if I could have it. He answered, sure, then went on to explain that he doesn't even like the tomatoes when they're all gooey in the middle that way. He prefers the end slices. In other words, for two full decades, my husband had silently entertained the notion that I was selfishly hogging the best parts of the tomato for myself and feeding him the scraps, even as I was intentionally trying to do the exact opposite. The point? Don't make assumptions. Don't presume your spouse's likes and dislikes are necessarily in alignment with your own. If you aren't sure about his preferences, just ask. Otherwise, your best guesses may make you both miss out on something truly marvelous. My third tip is get outside help as needed. Some people have brains that are wired for language acquisition. They're fluent in more tongues than you can count, and they seem to be able to add to that number almost effortlessly. But other people flounder through high school French, barely passing their vocabulary quizzes. And if it weren't for tutors, language tapes, and learning apps, they'd have flunked out completely. But with extra help, at least they're able to exchange niceties, bonjour, or order from a menu, crepes s'il vous plaît, or ask directions to the bathroom, oui la toilette. Similarly, if you have trouble getting on the same wavelength as your spouse, don't be afraid to get outside help. Attend a marriage retreat. Read some good books on the topic, like the ones I mentioned in this podcast. Find a happily married mentor. Talk to a trusted Christian counselor. There is no such thing as a static marriage. You're either growing closer together or you're drifting apart. So be proactive about investing in your relationship and building it up every way you can. And that includes learning to speak your spouse's love language well. Then my fourth tip would be to study the local dialect. Accents can vary from one region of the country to another. A Bostonian speech bears little resemblance to a southerner's drawl, even though they both are presumably speaking English. So, too, love languages vary from one couple, one marriage, one household to the next. You may sometimes even notice a slight shift from one day to the next. For instance, Doug knows that I love chocolate and would welcome a fudge-filled surprise from him any time. Unless, of course, I've lately sworn off of sweets in a concerted effort to, quote, get in shape, in which case he should not even consider bringing chocolate into the house. I like to keep him on his toes that way. Likewise, I know my husband loves physical touch, so I do my best to provide generous daily doses. But whenever Doug is actively eating pizza, I give him his space because I learned many, many years ago that it freaks him out for me to touch him when his hands are greasy, even if my hands are clean. Right back at you, sweetheart. The point is, you've got to study your mate. Learn what makes him tick. 
Make note of circumstantial changes and look for seasonal shifts and adapt accordingly. My fifth tip would be to expand your vocabulary. Did you make an A in conversational Spanish that you took as a freshman? Congratulations! My guess is if you ever hope to have a deep and meaningful conversation in Espanol, you'll need to command a few more words than you learned in that introductory level course. The same thing is true for communicating in your spouse's love language. Is his love language quality time? Quality time can mean conversations over candlelit dinners, but it should encompass so much more than that. Run errands together. Pursue a new hobby together. Do chores around the house, shoulder to shoulder. Take dance lessons. Get your scuba diving certification or attend a cooking class together. Join forces to show hospitality, to volunteer at the local soup kitchen, to coach your kids' soccer practice. The common thread through all these activities is that you're doing them as a team, side by side, together. Likewise, if your spouse's love language is physical touch, you'll definitely want to prioritize your sex life. And for an in-depth look at the benefits you reap by doing so, you should read my book, Love Your Husband, Love Yourself, which, by the way, is a why-to book, not a how-to book. But don't just stop with sex. Expand your repertoire to include other kinds of touching as well. Hold his hand. Slow dance. Take long, hot baths together. Walk arm-in-arm. Cuddle and spoon. Give your spouse a full body massage. A pat on the back. A playful pinch on the bottom. Scratch his scalp. Kiss his lips. Rest your head on his shoulder. Do a little passionate necking. Squeeze his muscles admiringly. Hug him every chance you get. And so forth and so on. Then my sixth tip is to aim for fluency. The longer and more regularly you speak a new language, the more fluent you become. When you're first learning, it's easy to make mistakes. If you throw up your hands and quit the first or tenth or twentieth time you try to say something and are misunderstood, you will never gain mastery. The same thing is true when it comes to forging a love that lasts. If your initial efforts to speak your spouse's love language fall flat, don't give up. Keep on trying, study, learn, ask questions. The more you practice, the more fluent you'll become and the more happiness and satisfaction you will enjoy in your marriage. So that is how I would go about mastering my spouse's love language. But the flip side of that coin is learning to decipher the love language he speaks. Recently, our family took a Mediterranean cruise. Actually, it wasn't that recently. It was back right before COVID hit. So uh, 2019, we went on this Mediterranean cruise, and we were among only a handful of Americans on the ship. The waiters in in the dining room spoke English, but most of the people on the ship did not. And we ended up sitting at a table right next to a couple... I don't remember where they were from. I think from Italy. And my Italian wasn't any good, but they spoke German. They didn't speak English, but they spoke German. And I had a little bit of German uh, a couple of years in college. And so we made friends with this couple. And uh, even though my German was rusty, I managed to haltingly answer a few of the curious questions they asked about our family. I explained rather slowly, that my husband and I had, at the time, been married 32 years. Ich bin mit meinem Mann für 
And I told them we had 12 children. Wir haben zwölf Kindern. And they answered back enthusiastically, though I only caught about every third word and had to ask them to repeat a few statements. Assuming I understood them clearly, they told us that one, our children were beautiful, schön, and very well mannered, sehr höflich, and that Doug and I look much too young, zu jung, to have so many children. I was really happy to hear such lovely compliments, even though they were spoken in a tongue with which I'm not completely comfortable. But here's the thing. The fact that I had to work to decipher what my new friends were saying in no way diminished the sincerity of their words. How petty and entitled it would have been for me to scorn their kind remarks just because they weren't offered in English. So I leave you with this word of caution. Never discount love that's expressed in a language that's foreign to you. Such overtures are still heartfelt, still valuable, still packed with deep emotion. If you can read a marriage book like The Five Love Languages as a way to better understand your spouse, then go for it. If it helps you improve your own ability to communicate your love for your husband in more meaningful ways, brava! Glean as much as you can and apply what you learn and keep up the good work. But if you find yourself scouring such titles with an accusatory eye, you're heading for trouble. If Chapman's words leave you feeling irritable and slighted because your husband is not yet fluent in your preferred language, you'd be better off leaving his book on the shelf. I don't think it was the author's intent for you to use his book as ammunition against your husband or as a proof text for all the ways he's failed to love you well. Instead of holding it against him if he doesn't speak your preferred love language, I recommend becoming multilingual. When it comes to love languages, I personally favor words of affirmation, and I like actions that back up those words, such as acts of service or quality time. Receiving gifts is not my native tongue, and neither is physical touch. So, as a newlywed bride, I was unappreciative of either of those. Much to my shame, I often acted downright disdainful and disgusted when my extremely generous, exuberantly affectionate new husband attempted to communicate his love for me in ways that most resonated with him. I would have preferred for him to just tell me how much he loves me than keep his hands to himself and his money in the bank rather than spending it on gifts I didn't need. But thankfully, 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 my husband didn't give up. He kept on loving me in the best way he knew how, and God eventually convicted me that I needed to stop being so self-centered and receive my husband's love in the same spirit it was offered, to accept it with genuine gratitude, and to seek to understand and appreciate his way of communicating affection. So now, when my husband brings home gifts, I do my best to welcome them with gladness. And he's learned to shop for bargains, as he knows I'll be happier about a gift if I hear he got it at a good deal. And you know what else? Although I still love words of affirmation, I've really learned to delight in physical touch now as well. So much so that I'd be hard-pressed to choose between the two, honestly. Fortunately, I don't have to choose. My advice Don't box your mate into using only one language when he's communicating his love for you. There's a benefit to becoming fluent in all five, or six, if you count chocolate. Thanks so much for listening today. 
If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.